Welcome to the River D Centre podcast. Listen back to the Sunday worship message recorded live in our church building in Flint, North Wales. We are still in our theme of reasons to celebrate. Turn to, turn to the person next to you and say, I have a reason to celebrate. So, but we have a lot of reasons. My three reasons today are this. If you've got your notes out or you want to write notes, these are the three. Jesus came to preach good news to the poor. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And he came to proclaim liberty to the captives. And I've been excited for this word because, you know, when you think of celebration, you think people are going to like, you're jumping around, you're shouting, big party. But how do you celebrate when life's not going great? How do you celebrate when life's kicking you in the teeth and everything's not going your way? Because as a lot of us know, that's how it goes sometimes. So if you've got your Bibles out, turn to Luke 4, 16, Luke chapter 4, verse 16. So, he came to Nazareth, Jesus, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And all the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So we're going to break this down a bit. So, at the start, Jesus says, The Lord has anointed me. So what does that mean? The ceremonial anointing in the Old Testament was someone would get like smeared or oil would be put on their head or something. As an outward symbol that, you know, they've been chosen, been set apart to do something for God, you know. They're going to speak for God. Um, so kings, priests and prophets were anointed to show that God's presence was with them. And in the New Testament, Jesus reveals himself as our anointed king, priest and perfect prophet. He's God's holy and chosen son. He, the Messiah literally means the anointed one. And in Isaiah 61, what Jesus quotes from, we have a promise of a coming Messiah whom the Spirit of the Lord is upon, set apart and consecrated for a divine purpose. So let's see how Jesus embodies this. He has come to proclaim good news to the poor. Jesus says he didn't come to call the righteous, but who? Finish it off. Sinners. Sinners. And in the Old Testament, the poor were those who had no inheritance. They were financially impoverished, and of low social status, or who were downtrodden, oppressed, disadvantaged, and destitute. The poor were helpless and dependent upon powerful people and unfavorable circumstances. The poor are also those who live in dependence on God. You might be thinking, well, how can you be poor if you live in dependence of God? Well, in Jesus Christ's great Sermon on the Mount, he begins with this. God blesses you who are poor, for the kingdom of God is yours. The poor in spirit 
the people who recognize their own spiritual poverty and they realize their desperate need for God, turn to him and receive the highest riches, richest blessings he's grace, graciously offers us through faith in Jesus. So from prison, John the Baptist sends two of his disciples to Jesus to ask him, you know, are you the Messiah? Are you the one we're looking for? Should we look for someone else? He says, go and tell John this. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear and the dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. So the fact that Jesus proclaimed good news to the poor was one of the, it shows one of the marks of his messiahship. And his message was one of forgiveness. Who needs forgiveness? Everyone. His message was forgiveness, hope, restoration and repentance of faith. And he teaches us what the kingdom of God is like. And he offers us all eternal life that's only found in him. So you might be thinking, well, what have I got to celebrate about? Because we've all been poor. We've all been spiritually poor. And Jesus came to proclaim good news to the poor. And we've received that. That's a reason to celebrate. Number two. And I feel like this is going to hit home to some people. and It's going to cut the heart open. That's not always a bad thing. So, broken-hearted people are those who are weakened, crushed or destroyed in spirit. Has anyone ever felt like that? Yeah? It describes people who feel spiritually bankrupt, needy and helpless. People who yearn for the Lord's help, comfort and salvation. To heal means to restore what is broken. Inspire with confidence and give hope to unbandage. Do you know, when we think of a broken heart, we just think that your boyfriend or girlfriend broke up with you or something. But it's not always like that. Life experiences, you can have a broken heart from anything. I've had a broken heart before from depression and anxiety. My heart was broken. It was. And although I was rescued from it, as we all know, it leaves scars and pain and hurt. So I'm leaving proof, though, that Jesus can heal a broken heart. If you would have told me when I was feeling like that back then, that I'd be stood here today preaching this to you, I would have said, you're absolutely crazy. Go away. That's not me. I can't do that. Some of you may feel broken right now. You may feel crushed in the spirit. Things aren't going your way. This is our reason to celebrate. The Lord is close to the broken hearted. And he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Take your broken heart to Jesus. He's the only one who can heal it. But how can Jesus save my broken heart? How is he going to heal me? He doesn't know what I've been through. He doesn't know what I'm going through now. How he does. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. It's true. In First Peter 2, it says, He personally carried... Our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds are you healed. Jesus understands what it's like to have a broken heart. We read in Isaiah 53 that he was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering. Can you imagine being a man of suffering? Familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. 
yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. By his wounds are we healed. He knows all of our troubles, our temptations, our sorrows, everything that goes on. In fact, he felt some of those things himself. You know, in the scriptures it says that he was tempted by all things we're tempted by, but remained sinless throughout it all. And he has the power to heal as he meets the deepest needs of people, all people. Maybe your broken heart is from addictions, losing loved ones. Maybe a family member has abandoned you because they didn't see how much you were worth. But God sees how much you were worth and he knows how much you're worth. He gave you that worth. Maybe your broken heart is from being neglected. You've had depression. You've got an eating disorder. You know, the list, it goes on. Maybe you've got a broken heart from that. But Jesus is the only one who can heal you. He washes away sin, gives hope to everyone. We all need hope. And he gives courage and abundant and eternal life. We have a hope for our brokenness. And that's the reason we should celebrate. Number three. He came to proclaim liberty to the captives. In Luke 4, after Jesus quotes from Isaiah, he then says, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus is claiming to be the fulfillment of this prophecy. I am who he's talking about. The captives are those who are spiritually captive to sin and the law. You must understand that our our obedience to the law and our good works aren't good enough to gain access to the kingdom of God. Because we've all sinned and fallen short. As Steve said before, we've all sinned. How do we come before a holy God? With sin. The Apostle Paul explains was that people who are held captive are actually in bondage to the law and they need to be freed. Because the law could only bring greater awareness of sin. It couldn't save us. It was just to show us that, oh, we've actually sinned. So Jesus proclaimed liberty to the captives by explaining that the law is not the way into the kingdom of God. They could only be free and, and be righteous and have eternal life by believing in him. That's how he proclaimed liberty to the captives. So those who believe in him will no longer be bound by sin. And they'll no longer be in slavery to sin. Now you may feel captive to sin. You may feel captive to your mind. Do you ever have those moments where you just feel like I'm trapped in my own mind? I can't get out of my own head. You know, thoughts are racing. You feel, maybe I'm captive to my own mind. Jesus is the one who gives us freedom from these things. He died and rose again to give us freedom. He didn't have to do it. He gained nothing from it except... Well, he died. Tortured and died. That's how much he loves us. So the righteousness of God has always been received by faith. By grace. By grace through faith. Never of works. And that's how Jesus proclaimed liberty to captives. He gave them knowledge of how they could gain access to God's kingdom. And gain his righteousness by belief in Jesus and not by works. You know, if I'm honest, a long time ago when I first became a Christian... I probably, or before that, I thought, well, you know, if you just do good things, then I'm there. Well, I've done good things. But Jesus thought otherwise. He sternly but mercifully said, no. The righteousness of God only comes by grace through faith in Jesus. 
that's how captives are given liberty. And if that's not reason to celebrate, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. Because if it was of works, then no one would ever be righteous. We're only made righteous when our faith alone is in Jesus and he imputes his righteousness to us. So how do we so we know how to receive freedom? How do we walk in freedom? So if you feel captive to sin, listen closely. This is from Galatians five. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. We do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbour as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are afflicted with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You are not captive to sin. And then Paul goes to list, um, you know, the acts of the flesh, sexual immorality, um, idolatry, witchcraft, anger, all these things. He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those th- people who live like this will not inherit, inherit the kingdom of God. Who knows the fruit of the Spirit off by heart? Who knows it? I, w- I want to know. Ben, shout them out. That's wrong. I'm joking. I'm joking. (laughs) Correct. Nice, Ben. He says, Again, such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So we live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking each other and envying each other. So to walk in the Spirit means to yield to the Holy Spirit's control. We follow his lead. And we allow him to exert his influence over us. So walking the spirit is opposite of resisting him or grieving him. People have the idea that when you become a Christian, you don't sin anymore. That that's it, you know. I don't sin anymore. I'm perfect. So far from the truth. Doesn't mean you won't fall, but you still won't sin. Sanctification is a lifelong journey. But God's grace is sufficient. So have a repentant heart and allow the Holy Spirit to sanctify you. Some of us are so tired of, of being so captive to the same sin. We can't get away from it. And we say, I'm trying my hardest. Please, I'm trying my hardest. Help me. That's the problem, though. I'm trying my hardest. When we try our hardest in our own strength, we're always going to fail. We're always going to fall because we're not strong enough. Our reason to celebrate is that we don't have to try in our own strength. We just need to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I'm going to give these temptations. I'm going to give this this sin that I can't get rid of. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to read your word more throughout the day. I want to get to know you. David says in the Psalms, I've hidden your word in my heart that I won't sin against you. The word of God. We succeed when we learn to surrender to God. Nowadays, surrender is seen as a, as a bad thing. You're weak. It's not. It's the most powerful thing you can do when you surrender to God. You say, Holy Spirit, we need you now. I need you now. Allow yourselves to receive the good news and let Jesus heal your broken heart. 
Walk in the freedom that is yours in Christ. He bought that freedom for you. You were bought at a price. So walk in that freedom. And celebrate the fact you're called to be free and you've been set free. We're going to finish like this. If anyone feels they need prayer or to be set free from something or they have a broken heart or they feel captive to sin, you're going to have an opportunity to come to the front or to go to the back. And we're going to pray for you. But if if you don't want to, if you don't want prayer, if you want to go and pray for someone, then that's perfect. So Ben, I don't know, could you go to the back and uh, play a song on YouTube, please? Uh, Spirit breakout. Be nice. We're gonna have a time of prayer because I believe people are going to be set free today. People, people's broken heart is going to be healed today. And people are going to be set free from sin. Let's give it a moment. So if you want to come to the front or you want to go to the back, or you simply want to turn to the person next to you and just say, listen, I'm struggling right now. I need some prayer. And celebrate together in prayer. Mm-hmm.